0: Can you speak to end user kind of verification and why that is such like an important
1: aspect of blockchains? If we lose end user verifiability, we're basically letting like a few node runners, 100 or like 500, like people that have access, very heavy compute that is able to like run a full node for the network, we're basically trusting them.
0: Well, today I'm super excited to be joined by Jim, uh, the founder and CEO of Sovereign. Uh, We initially met in New York and kind of nerded out about different scaling solutions and how blockchains work. So I think it's going to be an amazing conversation. Thanks for joining me.
1: Hey, Logan. Thank you for having me. Quite
0: excited. Uh, Likewise, likewise. Uh, I, I always appreciate fellow people that can nerd out on the different technology solutions. And you've obviously spent a great amount of time uh, in this world. And I think even in the past at the Ethereum Foundation are working on Ethereum clients. Maybe like prior to just jumping into Sovereign and what you're building there, can you touch just slightly on your background and how you kind of like got into this whole crazy blockchain world?
1: Totally. And to correct, I actually did not work on the Ethereum Foundation. Uh, I worked on the Teco team, which was one of the teams developing the consensus clients for the okay, Ethereum. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, my background is uh, I'm from Istanbul, Turkey, and um, I think that gives me kind of a unique perspective uh, on how impactful blockchains can be. That's like my like uh, my background in Turkey. I think has like always galvanized me to work towards like blockchains and. Better coordination tools, uh, for humanity. To be fair, I'm very much interested in the infrastructure side. And there are a lot of like very impactful people building the applications themselves, like Kevin Owaki of like Gitcoin and like many people building on like the application side of like these actual coordination tools. But the infrastructure side of things, making like the scale, building like a very high scale blockchain system so that we can at some point in some way coordinate better with other humans. That's very exciting for me. I think, totally agree. Um, I think um, solid institutions that don't decay uh, as you like live in a country and um, like personal liberties. Uh, these type of stuff are taken very much for granted in the West um, because the institutions are solid and they're working so they're working so well that um, nobody uh, like are questioning them. I guess too hard. Um, what I mean by that is, uh, like, the use case or use case of blockchains kind of gets mocked uh, a lot by like the general public in the West because people can't see the uh, immediate use cases, and that's quite reasonable for most people because they're they're living under like very strong institutions. Whereas uh, outside of the West and like in mo- most of the world, uh, these like the uh, Human-run institutions decay all the time, and uh, lead to corrupt governments and people's like personal liberties getting taken away. People's lifestyles, like being different lifestyles, for being forced on different people. So, um, like a new coordination tool such as blockchains has always been extremely, um, extremely interesting for me to work on.
0: I fully agree. I mean, and for that exact reason as well, I think brought me into the industry, uh, just the possibility of self-sovereignty to everybody in the world. I was like, this is the technology that I want to work in for the next decade plus, uh, that ability to kind of control your own money to either control your own data from, like, monopolies that exist in the U.S., uh, building kind of social applications or being able to hold your own money, I think, is a very exciting world. And I think uh, originally what got me so interested into Ethereum and the entire ecosystem, it is a fascinating thing. I think what you're building at Sovereign is kind of a key component to bringing this to the masses. Um, And so very fascinating kind of background and definitely kind of gives clarity to um, some of your thoughts or or why you're so passionate about the industry. Could you talk about kind of on a high level? What problems do you think still exist in the space today? And what are like the biggest challenges that need to be addressed so that we can continue to kind of scale the industry as a whole?
1: Yeah, totally. So um, I think since since the time that I joined the industry, I joined the industry around 2017 and um, proof of stake and scaling conversations were at full speed. I think scaling conversations have been going since Bitcoin in like 2013 and people that were like hyped up, there were even like layer two solutions back then. And um, I think since 2017, we just developed a mental model on how we can scale these blockchains without like losing end user verifiability. I don't think we have seen uh, many real-life applications or like n- big leading projects adopting these solutions yet, although many teams are working very heavily towards them. For example, uh, like a few mental models are like just roll-ups. Everybody now really understands that if you combine data-ability with rollups, you can achieve scale in a way that you don't lose end-user verifiability.
0: And can you speak to end user kind of verification and why that is such like an
1: important aspect of blockchains? Yes, totally. So if we lose end user verifiability, we're basically letting like a few node runners, hundred or like uh, five hundred, like people that have access to um, very heavy um, compute that is able to like run a full node for the um, network, we're basically trusting them. And if they do decide to censor a subset of people, or if they do decide to uh, steal uh, the steal the money of a government identified terrorist organization, there's literally nothing we can do. And since like these, the compute happens at, um, like if you don't have any user verifiability, since like the computer happens at like 100 like or 200 like known um, big data centers, it's easy for local governments to send subpoenas, send their like uh, own like the police to make sure that uh, these networks run uh, and obey like the rules of the local governments and not the actual rules of the network itself.
0: So on a high level, maybe to just rearticulate, ultimately the ability for users to verify uh, the computation or integrity of the network ha- remains true uh, and that they individually can verify them themselves. And that's kind of one aspect. The other aspect would be just the network decentralization itself and having kind of sufficiently... Uh, disperse in high node count such that no like specific entity or country could kind of like subpoena all the nodes and have uh, effectively control of the network, correct?
1: Yeah, yeah. So if most users have end user verifiability, when uh, this like random government uh, tries to enforce uh, the stealing of the funds from uh, like an entity that they deem as a terrorist organization then users just can see that there's one invalid transaction trying to steal money from people and people will will just like reject that update whereas if you don't have end user verification then like people won't be able to do that like people will just keep following whatever like the big nodes like the full nodes in this network are running and so uh, it is critical uh, for the, like the value add that I that I am like believing in blockchains for like the blockchains to have end user verification.
0: Fully agree. I I think this is a super important topic, and I think one aspect of this has really been uh, light clients, and I applaud the Celestia team for pushing the space forward and kind of uh, what they've done with light clients, being able to add trust minimization um, if larger nodes ultimately do happen. Uh, and so I think that is very, one interesting aspect outside of end user verification. I mean, are there any other like large problems that kind of got you thinking about what, uh, that needed to be addressed and ultimately kind of, uh, birthed, uh, sovereign and what you started to build there?
1: Yeah. So the main problem that started Sovereign uh, from both like Preston and I's like, point of view was just how we can scale this end-user verifiable censorship-resistant system to the masses. And uh, along the same time, we were both reading the Celestia, like a laser-ledger white paper at the time. And being an ETH two like core developer, I'd always like been seeing like conversations and like problems around like uh, data ability. Dankrad had like some data ability scheme for like ETH two at the time, but uh, I wasn't too sure what it meant. And I was just an implementer in my mind. And I was just like coding away, looking at the specs. And I didn't like look too much in depth. But when I had the time, when I stopped being like a, like E2 dev and when I was reading the laser paper, data ability in my mind clicked. Like techniques like data, data ability sampling and data ability custody, they really do let us scale data um, in a way that we can't scale compute or just general like blockchain execution. So that's when I was like, oh shit, like things are going to move fast in the next few years. Um and could so, you talk
0: specifically to the, like that realization or like what made it click for you and maybe even like share some of the technical aspects that you're excited about as well?
1: Yeah, so like the... Uh, the like the for me what made me, what made it click is that you add more light nodes uh, like you add more light clients and the more like light clients that are to sample uh, the like the the full nodes more you can increase the capacity that you can pass through full nodes so that was like in my mind wow like the more we add like these like end user verifying nodes more we can scale the blockchain, at least one part of blockchain. And so once we scale one part of blockchain, that gave me a lot of optimism that we can scale the other parts, that we're just like missing a few pieces, but we're slowly like getting there. As I, when I was like referring to mental model in the past, like around like 2017 or so, one of the best like mental models we had for scaling blockchains was like shuffling around validators, like making the same validators, like the committees of the same validators said, doing like different computation, and then merging them and it was like as you can like now like in retrospect like see those were like very simple ideas but now like seeing that there's like a special technique to spa- like to scale one layer i was like if that's the case then like we can probably like have other like techniques on the higher layers uh, to like finally achieve a truly scalable blockchain for the masses so uh, I read that I got super hype. Um, I started thinking about uh, how we can build like roll-ups on top of like pure DA layers because pure DA layers don't have the problem of trying to, um, trying to scale this like L1 smart contract or the L1 execution layer. And um, it's hard to like build a protocol. And so, and although I, my dream has always been to build a, globally innovating tech company. And this was like a major problem, like major problem space that I'm now seeing, like some like initial traction on the data side. And now like execution side needs to happen. I was super excited, but really didn't know what to do next.
0: Amazing. Um, Yeah, I, it took me a while to kind of understand the data availability problem as well. And speaking to a lot of smart people and kind of uh, i'm just reading a lot of white papers um uh, it is an interesting problem and i definitely applaud celestia and their approach i i think it's super novel and they they truly have like pushed the space forward in the light client sense um maybe speaking specifically to sovereign and kind of your thought process there uh ultimately building out um sovereign uh while allowing users kind of that in verification piece while having uh the ability to post um, these proofs on very fast data availability layers that ultimately allow for high scale and uh high kind of user transactions and engineers to build like more interesting
1: applications so yeah um yeah, and so the <sighs> sovereign like came about after like. Thinking, like seeing that this, the now, like we need to scale the execution layer. Um, Preston and I were thinking how you can have, um, how you can have as many different like uh, execution layers talking to each other in a like almost composable way that like smart contracts talk to each other today. And as a result, really utilize. All the bandwidth that DA can provide, because DA can provide almost infinite bandwidth, given that you really um, you really believe in data ability sampling or like custody like type techniques. So the 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 scaling on the DA side is going to be there. Now we like we need to somehow like uh, build like almost composably growing set of execution layers side by side and that's that's like the gist of like sovereign the the basic idea of sovereign it's the like we define it as the internet of rollups we think to actually uh, comp- like we think to uh, utilize the the whole like DA bandwidth that's going to come online in the next few years we need to have execution environments and that in our my, like view is going to be zk rollups that like co- almost compose with each other, send messages back and forth, and, are, and all are connected very deeply with each other. So, and that like, that you can do with Zeke and rollups.
0: And can you speak to, I mean, the aspect of composability and why you kind of want to preserve this? Because I think Ethereum originally and the community was extremely excited about composability. And then ultimately it kind of got I would say a little bit frowned upon uh just because with some of the kind of design choices that ethereum ultimately decided to do with like layer twos can break some of that composability but can you speak to what you're doing specifically with sovereign and like how you're ultimately engineering it such that composability still remains intact
1: yeah so there are a lot of different Types of composability and the word composability gets thrown around a lot in a way that it confuses a lot of people. That is synchronous. That's the entire
0: a- space. It's <laughs> uh, a lot of words that often uh, get used interchangeably that don't make sense.
1: Totally. That is, first of all, synchronous composability, which is uh, probably uh, the creme de la creme of uh, composability. It's The most basic way to define is is the hotel and train problem if you're starting like if you're you want to be able to craft a transaction that says if you purchase the hotel ticket then if you are uh, like you you're trying to buy a hotel and train ticket and if you're unable to purchase the hotel ticket you also shouldn't purchase the train ticket so if you have like both hotel and train like purchasing applications on the same state this is super easy to do and it's doable in ethereum and like uh, current like applications but you have to if you have them living in different shards or different rollups or different app chains this is quite hard this is like this is impossible as far as we know today and so uh, atomic composability is uh, really nice, and for some like DeFi apps it's necessary and uh, we think that's why like even in a world a lot of app chains the like synchronous composability will have its place, and there will be a few general purpose hubs that provide sync like that have a similar um model to the e v m today and have like provide synchronous composability for the apps that live on top but then there is the like, composability of basically um Rollups, and uh, what that means is that um, between regular app chains that have different consensus sets, you can see reorgs, and you can see like uh, like one like weak link in the chain of like uh, like in the uh, in like the set of chains that you're sending messages in between that go down, and you like run into security issues. Uh, Whereas like when you're sending messages across rollups, since they are part of the same global clock, uh, you can send like secure messages. And if something happens to the base layer that they work on, they all reorg together or like they don't reorg at all. So sending messages back and forth between rollups makes them almost composable. You can, like, you can send a message and know that next time the message, um, like, you can send the message uh, to other rollup and then know that that will be securely processed on the other rollup um, in the next block. Or like whatever whenever you're able to finalize the existing rollup that you're sending the message from. Uh, so uh, currently this is super hard uh, with roll-ups on Ethereum due to two reasons. One, optimistic roll-ups have really long finality times, like seven days. And so when you're sending that like outwards like message, it literally takes seven days for the action, minimum seven days for the action to be complete on the other roll-up. So you can't really, like, mental model-wise, as an application developer, think of composing different apps and like making them work together. In zk rollups, this is supposed to work really well because you post a zk proof, bam, like you're able to like verify the correct state on the other side. You should be able to send the message. However, verifying like zk proofs, although like a very low like uh, effort thing to do for a regular phone or your computer for ethereum it's quite expensive and so almost all like all z carol apps today um wait for a long time before they post Uh, their proofs so they batch a bunch of like block proofs and they post them all together at the same time so that they like save on verification costs like starkware i think like cost like post around every 12 hours or so so now like you don't have seven days delay but you have a 12 hours delay due to the very high verification costs on the ethereum l1 so even now when you're trying to compose rollups on a like compose zk rollups like you're composing them at like every 12 hours, like sending messages every 12 hours. That really doesn't work well. What we want is you wanna be able to really aggregate all the proofs from all the ZK rollups so that verification is done once for all the ZK rollups. And it's quite cheap as a result. It's just like part of like natural part of like the, uh, um, like the state transition of the rollup. And so you can get, you can receive messages from all the other ZK rollups with just a single or two block latency. So you can build applications that depend on each other across different rollups, because that's how we achieve scale. When these different state machines talk to each other seamlessly.
0: I that makes sense and definitely appreciate the. In depth explanation, maybe just to rehash it for some of those that are not as technical with optimistic rollups, because you have the fraud proof, there's that seven day challenge window, and that makes it very hard to do interesting things with rollups today on the composability side. Validity proofs or zero knowledge proofs ultimately will kind of make this much better, but today, because Ethereum doesn't have that much block space and compute is relatively expensive. It's expensive to post uh, these proofs on chain. And so the aggregators of these validity zero knowledge proofs uh, are waiting 12 plus hours. And that just makes it much more challenging. And so what Sovereign is trying to do is aggregate these different proofs or zero-knowledge roll-ups across these chains and kind of batch them into one, allowing you to have much faster kind of finality time uh, across these individual roll-ups?
1: Yes. So, um, that is one part of our vision first of all we want to make launching a zk rollup as easy and or even easier than it is to launch a blockchain with cosmos sdk today so cosmos sdk today allows you to launch uh, your business logic as a standalone blockchain very easily we want to achieve that with zk rollups and even easier and uh, also since um launching a zk rollup um like we handle basically the, the cryptography and the proof system uh for the user we are like we want to like a, we we are integrating the proof aggregation system inside um uh, this rollup generation so that all of the proofs of all like any different rollup that's generated with sovereign sdk can be aggregated and verified very easily
0: So maybe like provide or if you could uh, give like a couple of examples of how you think this would work out initially. Uh, Maybe there's a dozen kind of roll ups uh, today. Some of them are optimistic flavor. Some of them are zero knowledge. Uh, Could you provide an, an example or maybe not even the ones that exist today, but in the first kind of iteration of Sovereign, who do you kind of believe are going to be using this system to aggregate these proofs to ultimately batch them to uh, ethereum
1: yeah so we generally don't take a stance on the like the the customer like target who might want to use like sovereign. We think uh, almost all blockchain applications today will benefit a lot from the scale and speed that the sovereign SDK will provide. Uh, but to give an example, right now, like there are a bunch of like zk app teams that are coming online, like ZK Sync, uh, like uh, Polygon, ZK EVM came out, Starkware is, I think, uh, in production. And so these teams don't actually share like the proof verification costs. And I had friends in the industry trying to like coordinate these teams that like, come together and uh, like they create like a verifier for all the different proof systems all for all these teams so that the proofs can be aggregated and the costs can be shared this is basically a political problem and it's really hard to do but um we, we like are like the teams that will be building on us are not like uh, people that are like trying to build their own proof systems—they're not trying to like own like the stack vertically. They're just application devs that want to like connect with other applications as easily and seamlessly as possible. So we're talking with like like DeFi teams that you know. Like we're talking with like um, people that are also like starting like uh, new types of like protocols. And they just want to launch a zk rollup, and they also want to be connected. So uh, they really like don't have much opinion other than uh, they want to like uh, use a platform that like provides them seamless connecti- connectivity. And so, uh, what will happen uh, once they like start uh, building and like like launching zk rollups with sovereign SDK is that um, after every block um, of uh, these applications, in these like zk app chains. ZK App rollups, um, their provers, uh, which are incentivized uh, internally, uh, will generate the proofs uh, for like for these for each individual rollup, and somebody else, like some other party who's uh, un- like who doesn't need to be trusted, who's just incentivizing the system, will come in and uh, as a cheap operation will aggregate all those proofs and submit it to the to each um, rollup as part of a like a special like transaction. And so like, these will just be like incentivized parties that are part of the, uh, just incentivized parties like, like validators that are incentivized today. And um, as, a, as a result, uh, we think connectivity will be quite seamless in sovereign ecosystem.
0: One of the things that has become a large topic in the industry now that Ethereum is moving towards these layer twos has been the topic of kind of single centralized sequencers. But ultimately, the conversation is then kind of moving towards, all right, these sequencers are centralized today, normally typically one entity how do we decentralize these over time? And now there's a couple of solutions ultimately popping up uh, to help uh, teams decentralize sequencers. How would you say, particularly with Sovereign, how would you either compare and contrast uh, Sovereign to kind of decentralized sequencers? Um, and what are the main kind of technical differences uh, on a large kind of larger scale?
1: Yeah, um, so <clears throat> the, to start, like centralized sequencers, uh, even with force inclusion on the base layer is really not a model that we uh, like. And the reason is um, most of the censorship that's like, uh, most of the censorship that you that, that is quite problematic for a user is the one that uh, like, matters to do in like matter of like five seconds but not like five minutes because if you're trying to like get out of like a um you're trying to get out of a like leverage like position on some amm uh, it really matters that like your print transaction gets processed in the next like block or the next few blocks rather than in the next 60 minutes so we definitely think uh like real-time censorship resistance is the actual factor that needs to be talked about more when talking about roll-up censorship resistance. And the current schemes out there really um, aren't great solutions uh, for that. Um, one of the things that we're like, excited about, we're, we're like, this is still a very uh, uncharted territory and there, there are a lot of teams trying to innovate in this area and we don't really hold uh, too strong of an opinion. Um, and like call, uh, the sovereign SDK is built in such a way that through our module system, we can integrate different sequencer solutions. And uh, to start, we are uh, we we're providing a centralized sequencer purely for testing that's complete and will be out this week, and, and the next like uh, like the decentralized and secure option that we're going to provide is going to be base sequencing. Uh, base sequencing is was an idea that like we've been thinking of thinking about for a long time. Justin Drake made it quite popular recently, and uh, we think there are some like uh, we think there are some nice. Schemes to be built incorporating base sequencing and potentially centralized sequencing too, and uh, we're exploring uh, potentially providing almost Web two type soft confirmations um, alongside, uh, like like a censorship resistance base layer, if this centralized sequencer is trying to censor you.
0: And for those that don't know, can you share more about what base sequencing is?
1: Yeah, base sequencing is just that um, whatever, like, the uh, base layer, like, the DA layer, validator wants to include um, in the blockchain becomes, like, part of, like, the canonical roll-up chain. So
0: at the point that the transaction or the proof is included into the base layer one?
1: Yeah, so, like, uh, let's say, like, there's, like... Um, there, there are people like 10 people who send transactions and the base layer like block leader picks seven of those and puts that into the uh, its own like day layer block. All those seven uh, like transactions are now part of the canonical rollup chain. It's uh, basically it. Gotcha, gotcha. And maybe
0: to wrap it back to Sovereign, ultimately what you and the team here have created is the ability to generate a zero knowledge proof of kind of these aggregates proofs across blockchains kind of a recursive proof if you will um, that will submit down to the base layer is it specifically ethereum or are you kind of base layer agnostic
1: we're completely base layer agnostic we started trying to build um, rollups in purely sovereign ways so that we can uh, the user has the option to port their rollups on whichever DA layer they want. We're currently supporting Celestia. We have our like Celestia adapter, where like the Polygon Avail team is working on, uh, the Avail team is working on an adapter, um, so that the users can deploy on their rollups on their DA layer as well. And over time, we want to like support almost all the DA layers out there.
0: Makes a lot of sense. Uh, I like the approach. And so ultimately, will we'll just by creating the proofs, as you mentioned, that was initially kind of expensive, especially on Ethereum, because uh, it's costs quite a bit with the block space and amount of compute that Ethereum has available today. Will Sovereign be similar in the sense that initially it'll be slightly more expensive or, or similar costs, but as you scale and as you get more roll-ups utilizing Sovereign, that cost is shared and then ultimately decrease for every individual participant?
1: Yeah, so in Ethereum, there is one single uh, like execution layer that has to process all these fraud proofs, all these like validity proofs. Uh, Whereas in ours, we don't go through a bottleneckable like layer one. Uh, All the proofs are aggregated and they're submitted to like individual rollups as single transactions. So every individual like rollup will process that one transaction. But after that, like we are not like going to pay extra for this, like if we're using this one enshrined layer
0: amazing uh maybe speaking a little bit to some of the more like technical aspects that you built in with it, or that you have built at sovereign is kind of zero knowledge or ups and the ability to kind of do the proof generation in parallel uh could you speak to that i'm kind of i i, I love parallelism uh the ability to do anything in parallel I, I think is great uh so if you could speak more to that uh I think it's an interesting point that you've uh, built into uh, sovereign.
1: Yeah, uh, over the summer, uh, my co-founder Preston worked with Re- Resero team to come up with a scheme to, um, like, that basically allows you to, to throw almost uh, infinite GPUs, so you need, like in, gain infinite like parallelism for like proving zk proofs. One of the most like bottleneck parts uh, when it comes to zk proofs is uh, the especially for Starks uh, is the fast Fourier transform, and because it takes n log n time, it has yeah n log n time. And uh, what we came up with over the summer is a way to take an execution trace and split it into like so many like almost infinite type uh, infinite number of pieces, so that um, you can like now uh, compute to like. FFT, not over the whole execution trace, but on like small exec tra- execution traces, and you can tie them back together recursively. As a result, you don't eat the cost of the N log N for the whole execution trace. And the more GPUs you throw, like there is some constant overhead, of course, but the more GPUs throw, you're able to get um, like, slow, like lower and lower latency, given that your recursion time is quite low. Interesting. And so it's
0: are you effectively just able to paralyze uh, this better because you're reducing kind of that N log N?
1: Yeah, you're basically reducing that N log N to N. And as a result, you're able to um, throw a lot of GPUs at, uh, like you're able to throw a lot of compute um, to prove. I love to hear it. As fast I love as- to hear it.
0: Yeah. I, I I like uh, adding more compute. Things go faster. Uh, yes. <laughs> it m- makes
1: things relatively simple. One pressing um, up with this, I open up a spreadsheet, and I'm like, "Let's push this model." <laughs> like, yeah, yeah for sure.
0: <laughs> In terms, uh, w- one of the other big things that you mentioned was ultimately. Uh, the soft confirmations and getting that to web two, like numbers while having an user verification. Could you speak to that as well? I think this is another like big key unlock that kind of sovereign is working towards.
1: Yeah. And this, like the the thoughts we have on like the sequencing side is like definitely at the research stage. It's nothing that we work on Uh, implementation wise. uh, We're just thinking and exploring the area. Uh, But uh, like, a lot of people that like utilize rollups today are very used to uh, the idea of soft confirmations, like our and optimism, both offer them. So people are getting used to it. So that got us thinking if there's so much demand for like soft confirmations, is there any way we can keep those and still keep censorship resistance? And we think uh, there are some ways to achieve that as long as you have like base rollups. And at the end, uh, there's a way to bypass the centralized sequencer and go directly to the um go directly to the base layer and for that it's like to be able to do that uh, we're working around with like mechanisms that uh give preferential treatment to like the centralized sequencer for example you post the transactions to the day layer and whichever the order like of the transactions uh like whichever whatever the order the, uh, the, the transactions are ordered in um the the centralized sequencer's address um virtually gets ordered the first so as a result the centralized sequencer is able to um provide soft confirmations as it does but then if you're not including centralized sequencers like a batch um you can like bypass it and still like add the transaction like directly, directly send it to the base layer so we're working on such designs there are like issues uh, but uh, they're definitely better than like the existing centralized sequencer designs where centralized sequencers have almost complete authority over users.
0: And again, I, maybe I miss it. What, what was the mechanism that you're specifically building that allows you to kind of bypass or add additional censorship resistance in these more centralized sequencers that exist today?
1: Yeah, and I don't want to like, I want to clarify that we're not building this today and like we see like okay. a bunch of issues, so we're just exploring. But one of the mechanisms is, um, just reordering, like prioritizing the transactions from the centralized sequencer. We're basically imagining a model with with where whichever like well, which, at whichever like order the centralized sequencer address arrives, that the base layer from roll up roll up virtually processes it as it was the first transaction. So that's one I model I would play around with.
0: In terms of kind of where you see the world going now in the blockchain landscape, uh, I guess in your end state of the world, how does how do either these ecosystems look? Is it multi-chain? Do you have a thousand roll-ups? Do you have one roll-up? Uh, where is kind of your end state for things to get to global scale, I think, that we all want to achieve?
1: Yeah. <clears throat> so... Um, I guess thanks to like uh, working on Sovereign, I've been able to get into a lot of deep conversations with leading researchers in DA space. And the things that are coming are honestly extremely exciting. I think the DA scaling will really surprise everyone in the next few years and we'll have actually abundant uh, data capacity on the basis. And I do think there's going to be like a few like very technically adept teams that are able to achieve that so i don't expect like more than like three four base layers uh, that become like the go to uh, go to use like uh, like base layers but on top of them i expect anywhere from uh 10000 to like uh, hundreds of thousand rollups this will just i think in my opinion this is just a matter of time i think most applications will go for app specific chains and if you want anything that is that should be verifiable and censorship resistance as zk costs go down as uh, da costs go down and there is almost a 10 to 1 or maybe like 15 to 1 difference uh, compared to regular compute uh, we're going to see uh, a lot of the applications we have today and many more that we can think of uh, use rollups as their backends. Like we'll, like uh, sovereign SDK will likely be uh, Node.js uh, or something like that in the future. Uh, I think it's going to become very close uh, to a regular developer's uh, toolkit.
0: Amazing. And in, in terms of like hundreds of thousands of rollups plus and kind of applications having their own either app chain or rollup. what do you think the main benefit, benefit to kind of the developers and that, like, uh, user are? Is it specifically kind of like fee isolation or just being able to, like, customize the stack? Um, yeah. I'm, I'm super interested to see how
1: all this plays out. I mean, customizing the stack <clears throat> is, like... <clears throat> very interesting um, owning your own gas token being able to run uh, things at the start of the block the end of the block like uh, batch like or like in batch. terms of MeV um, in terms of meV but for like other like use cases too like there's like applications like in like AMM designs or like uh, basically like customizability is something that is uh, very valuable for most application developers and that's why like people have been quite uh, hyped up about Cosmos and Substrate. But the thing is, if you really need to like, um, if you really need to adopt a validator set, like um, you're not just an application developer at, like at that point, you're basically uh, a full-fledged uh, like uh bureaucrat, like trying to get people to put a lot of funds. Like you're like dealing with like a lot of like parties, like it becomes like the barriers to entry to deploy an app chain is extremely high now. What we're doing, I've with-
0: always said that uh, application engineers should not have to be worried about infrastructure. Uh, they should specifically just be focused on their apps and creating a great product. And I think that's one of the biggest thing that frustrates me with crypto today is exactly what you mentioned. And infra- uh, application engineers, need to be infra- infra- infrastructure engineers, and that just makes a whole host of problems.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. Even the word, even the user word app chain in like the Cosmos world kind of annoys me. I'm like, you should not think that the fact that you should really not need to deal with the fact that these things are chains beneath you. These are just like applications with a really high level of customizability, which is what you want and which is what you should be caring about. And so, um, like what we're really doing with rollups is just lowering the barrier to entry when it comes to building these highly customizable applications, blockchain, highly customizable and highly scalable blockchain applications. So, um, I think it's very, Easy for me to see that once like the barriers are actually low and the costs, uh, thanks to the improvements in ZK and DA go down, that there's going to be an exodus to exodus to building your applications as uh, rollups. So the, the customization for
0: engineers is the key factor that uh, is kind of the driving belief that we'll have hundreds of thousands of rollups. Yeah, uh, it well, makes sense.
1: It will just provide better user. The engineers will, as a result, be able to build better products and build like provide better user experience. And better user, user experience will lead to more and more people adopting these, in my opinion.
0: And I guess one additional benefit of kind of having so many different roll ups is the ability to play around with virtual machines. And I, you and I talked about this quite a bit. I think when we had lunch in New York. But where is kind of like your vision for like the virtual machine world? Do you think? There's going to be a couple or, again, like hundreds of thousands different virtual machines kind of like tailoring to like the developers' needs of their specific application.
1: Yeah. I think sovereign SDK, like sovereign SDK really lowers the barrier to entry to uh, build a virtual machine now if you're like really if you're building a really cool virtual machine like move you don't need to build the validator set around or you don't need to build the networking and like the database systems around it so now you can just focus on building the vm so that makes me think that there will be a lot more experimentation on the vm side i still see like like but Really, vms do add uh, a level of overhead in computation and like cost in zk so i still do see that like there will not be that many winning vms in the end
0: makes sense no uh, again like i i love that the entire design space is being explored uh many different kind of solutions and I think ultimately we're all trying to achieve the same thing Uh, blockchains at scale with end user verification that ultimately allows us the self-sovereign properties that we kind of love and follow uh, kind of what got us all excited about blockchains in the first place Um, to that point maybe could you speak to just like some of the like cool findings that you've read recently with light clients and how that's kind of shaped your view on the blockchain landscape as well.
1: So um I have I can't point out an article that uh shaped my like thinking, but I what I can say is that um finally we're coming towards an era that uh, light clients are not just light clients. Uh, low resource clients are basically fully verifying clients thanks to ZK proofs. And we're initially starting with uh, the execution layer and now with like Sovereign with like the fork choice of the rollups. But over time, I think we're going to see uh, fully verifying uh, clients of the uh, of the consensus of the, like the base DA layers. And so over time, we see like, uh, like, what we call super light clients coming online where with just a single proof from your RPC provider, like Infura or Alchemy, you will have complete confidence that your transaction was processed correctly. Your state was like the state of like the application was given to you correctly. So thanks to uh, ZK and like the uh, like innovations done on rollups and now like applying the um, innovations and like uh, ZK proving to uh, the consensus clients, I think we're just a few years shy away from uh, fully verifying the whole like new modular blockchain stack in ZK and giving users completely trustless access. And this was one of the biggest criticisms of crypto in the last few years. Oh, you still trust like Infira and Alchemy? We're actually quite, quite soon. We really won't need to.
0: Yeah, the... The whole design space is that zero knowledge has ultimately opened up to blockchains and what they will be able to enable in the future is definitely very exciting. Uh, Maybe just wrapping up the podcast, uh, you have some great blog posts. I definitely invite all the listeners to check them out at Sovereign. Uh, one of those kind of uh, spicy assertions, actually, there are two, but I think we talked to the first one, uh, optimistic roll ups break composability. And I think primarily that's because of the fraud proof challenge period of like seven plus days. But the second one is monolithic L1s don't scale. Um, and I would love to hear you kind of just expand a little bit more on this topic. Uh, it's kind of spicy, but I would say also not spicy, but would just love to hear your thoughts.
1: I think at this point that's really not spicy. Uh but um I say that in a way that like, I think Solana or some other communities kind of um confuses the the way we the way with which Ethereum and like Bitcoin community uses scale. Um Bitcoin and Ethereum community uses scale uh strictly like while also trying to like um Keep end-user verifiability, and from Solana's perspective, you really just want extremely low level, say, low latency, global computation, and you really don't care about end-user verifiability, um, and so. Like both, like in the, in <clears throat> from Solana's perspective, monolithic ones do scale. But if you are really trying to like keep that end user verification, make sure like that I can run the node or I can get ver- I can get verification that the nodes were run correctly, and still increase the number of like transactions that uh, the network is doing, then yes, monolithic ones um, they have like lots of optimizations. But at the end of the day, they depend on increasing the hardware requirements, so they don't scale. That's basically just a. The-
0: it is interesting. I mean so I I kind of went down this rabbit hole, but then I found Vitalik's posts uh about kind of the in game and kind of at the end of the day his kind of thought process was that you'll if you're a block builder, you have to increase hardware costs. There's kind of no way around it. But then you have light clients to do like trust minimization. Uh and then so you can still do the verification. And I think it's definitely come around to me that like clients are extremely important. And I think it has on the Solana community as well. And I know even SWE, uh is going to do some type of version of this. They call it a sparse node where you can track like individual assets. Uh, and so, again, I, I think the whole industry is kind of learning about like what's useful. And I think everybody would definitely agree that end user verification is Uh, extremely useful and should be prioritized. And so what Celestia invented and kind of the invention of like clients, uh, what they're doing with data availability sampling, I think is going to ultimately be used across the entire industry. And I applaud them for uh, pushing the space forward. But no, it's been a super interesting conversation. I'm excited for what you're building at Sovereign, uh, truly. And definitely appreciate all these kind of nuanced uh, debates. These are my kind of like favorite to learn about and uh, just talk with smart people that are building in the space because I think ultimately these are the important conversations that are going to push the industry forward, but they're very hard to happen and to speak on on Twitter, which is where most of us, I would say, spend quite a bit of time. Uh, But truly appreciate you coming on the podcast and kind of sharing what you're building at Sovereign, increasing finality uh, with zero knowledge proofs, uh, being able to aggregate that. And even at the end, having kind of web to soft confirmation scale with end user verification.
1: Thank you, Logan. It was a lot. It was a fun conversation. Um, Thank you for having me.
0: Where can people uh, check you out on social media, read your blog posts, find more about Sovereign?
1: Yeah, the, I would highly recommend following us on Twitter, joining us on Discord. Uh, if you have questions, we love answering questions on Discord. And um, yeah, we also have a, a blog on Mirror, Uh We uh, put a lot of effort into our blog posts, and I recommend everybody uh, to read them.
0: Amazing. Perfect. We'll definitely go check those out. And uh, thank you again for coming on the podcast. Uh, It was a lot of fun. Thank you, Logan.